You want to do it, Charlie? Is that what you want? Whoa. <laughs> Take it easy. What the hell, May? <laughs> Nobody took it slower than me, Charlie. Four years. Answer the question. You want to do it? Welcome to another episode of the Agency Podcast. Eugene here, your agent in Toronto. Hi, Candy here, your agent in Toronto. How are you doing, Eugene? Toronto? What did I say, Toronto? You did. <laughs> I'm in Chicago. <laughs> you don't even know where you are. Do you want me to start that over again? Should we just re-record <laughs> no, that? No, I want to oh keep I absolutely want to keep it. <laughs> I'm just a parrot. I heard you say Toronto and I said Toronto. <laughs> I didn't even notice I said that. Oh my God. I have a, a big pot of tea here though. I'm not okay. drinking. It sounds like I'm drinking, but I'm not. <laughs> just tea totally. Uh, what's going on around there? Well, we had um, quite an unfortunate event in, in the community uh, a few days ago, but I have to say I'm very proud of my community. Oh, um, there was a fire up the street uh, on Lakeshore on the roof of a building. And oh. that building housed a small business called Adriano's Pizza. Oh, yeah. And pretty much everybody loved Adriano. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he's been there for a, a few years now, and he does a lot of stuff for charities, gives a lot of pizzas for charities. You've uh, talked pe- about him here before, right? If, if I may have. If people yeah. go into his shop and they just can't afford a slice of pizza, he yeah. gives them a slice of pizza. Aww. He has lollipops for the kids that come in. Like he's just a stand-up guy. Mm-hmm. Well, the fire basically devastated the uh, the the place. Well, it burned. It caused a lot of equi- equipment damage. Oh and my god! Smoke damage, and um, a, a couple people in the in the community got a GoFundMe campaign together, really really fast. And everybody stepped up. Well, I don't know if wow. everybody stepped up, but a lot of people stepped up. And the goal was $7,500. And they raised over $8,000 wow. in a couple of days. And he's got his new equipment. And Oh, my God. And he opened today. <laughs> this whole thing happened in like four or five days. Oh, amazing. He's, he's back. He's back reopened with a big thank you Long Branch sign <laughs> in his window. Did you go get a pizza today? Uh, no, but we will soon. Yeah. Well, probably on the weekend we'll get a pizza from him, oh. and uh, uh, and plus we we did support the GoFundMe as well. Uh, right. Wanted to do what we can, you know. Uh, we need people like that in our in our community, and uh, it feels great to have uh, been part of uh, the effort that's got him back in business again. Oh, how great! That's cool. I saw a similar story, but it wasn't in my community. It was just on the news. It was on Sunday news or something about a 
a hardware store in Connecticut or in Vermont, Norwich, Vermont, I think. And um, they were running out of staff. They had a help wanted. They couldn't get any staff. So, and it was a real hangout and a real old fashioned hardware store. So all these retired people just started coming to work and they donated their wages to his favorite charities. Wow. Yeah. They're beautiful. Like, it is so beautiful. They're going, I'm a literary professor. <laughs> and then they're sorting <laughs> screws. Another guy goes, I'm a neurosurgeon. And he's putting things on the shelf. It's really it's fantastic. Yeah, it was a real feel-good story. <laughs> well, I love that. I mean, nobody wants to see a, a fire up the street in somebody's no. business. Especially, you know, it's close to Christmas. It's a busy time for them. Mm-hmm. Um, I just think it's fantastic that in just a few days, they've got it cleaned up. They've, they've got whatever equipment he needs in there and he's running again. It's, it's really, really amazing. It's really fantastic. I'm so yeah. pleased about it. That's pretty cool. Hey, in other news, uh-huh. Nepomniachi blundered again. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Today again? in game nine, and he this would blundered be away a bishop. He bl- I oh. wouldn't make that blunder. It's one of those <laughs> really stupid moves. Okay. He hit a yeah. move that allowed his opponent to to cut off his bishop it was like really a beginner's kind of mistake and he couldn't recover and had to resign from his egregious blunder what do you think happened oh well i don't know i wanted to actually talk about that what makes us blunder you know in a game or in life you know when you do something that's just so stupid and you know better but some some the, the stupid part of your brain like supersedes everything else and causes you to yes. to do the dumbest thing you could possibly do. I, I don't know how many times I've done it in life and in games and go a lot. I've blundered how many games away to really? uh, box. I don't know. Really? Oh, yeah. Oh, well, I got the game wrapped up. I'm just waiting for the end of the game and suddenly um, all my stones are dead. Hey, how did that happen? Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, I feel like I blunder so much that my question would be, how on earth do I ever... Do, How do we not blunder? Really well, yes. How do I do something without blundering? <laughs> I really feel like that is the nature of the way I work. And sometimes blunders work out okay. Um, I've made a lot of blunders in paintings and I've worked them out, you know, or if I've forgotten what I want. Oh, blunders to do make and... paintings interesting. That's right. Exactly. So, um, and then blunders. Yeah, I do them so much. I can't even, I probably did six today. Uh, and I can't even, oh yeah, I did because I was using my GPS. I blunder on my GPS constantly. I look and I see two more miles or four kilometers and I proceed to daydream while I'm driving and miss it completely. Oh man, I've done that. (laughs) I think distraction and not being focused is one way to blunder. Um, And also because we're human. And sure, we, we are. And, and in, we get in the confident. case of these guys, they're in the most elite tournament yeah. of one of a, only a couple super elite intellectual games right. on, on the planet, you know, and the pressure must be tremendous. Right. Um, to always be making a good move and to play yeah. against the guy who's been the champion for a dozen years. Um, what do you have to do to beat him? Ooh. Not blunder. And Not did blunder. he know it when he did it? Well, you should have seen the expression on Carlson's face. Oh, his, no. his opponent, the look of shock. It's like, you did what? Oh, shit. Yeah. And then I guess it sunk in pretty quickly when he realized his bishop was trapped. Oh, uh, but uh, just a, a, it's a terrible, terrible move. Right, right. Wow. 
It's speaking of uh, speaking of games and gaming. Yeah. Yep. I stumbled onto a couple of short videos on the YouTube mm-hmm. uh, the other day, and I'd like to recommend them to our audience. Oh, good. Uh, you know, I talk about the game of Go quite a bit, and a lot of people might be thinking, "Well, who plays this stupid game anyway? What's this all about?" <laughs> Yeah. Well, I just stumbled into these two, they're 15-minute videos, and they both profile uh, stars of the Go world. Um, one of them is a 15-minute profile of Michael Redmond, and Michael Redmond is the first Western player to become a nine-dan professional in Japan. And it's quite a feat, especially since he didn't start playing until he was an early teen. Usually to achieve that kind of success, you have to start being schooled at it by the time you're five or six. Mm. So it's a, a lovely little profile of uh, Michael Redman. And people who find that interesting might also want to check out Redman's uh, really excellent YouTube channel himself because he provides a lot of Go problems and analysis on various different games, including some live analysis. And then the, uh, the, the second video, and the, uh, the videos are called The History of a Go Player. I love uh, it. And the first one is Michael Redman, and the second one is Chocha Khan. They're both in English. And uh, Chocha Khan is a player who um, was born in Korea and as a child showed promise in Go, and his parents basically shipped him off to Japan to become a professional Go player as a little boy and he was taken in by a master player uh, named Kitani uh, and later had um, other really, really great teachers. Uh, and he became, if there is a legend in the Go, in the Go history, mm-hmm. he's certainly part of that, that legend. He was the, he won the most number of titles uh, in Japan of any player in history. Um, remarkable player and if you watch a video of him playing he's really unkept he's got this really scruffy beard and his hair's all over the place and he pulls at his hair and he mutters to himself and he calls himself stupid and um, sometimes he hits himself in the head and he thinks he's made a bad move he's so entertaining to to watch play I mean it's as entertaining as watching somebody move a couple of stones on a board could possibly be um, but watching Chochakan is really spectacular <laughs> so these are both easy to understand easy to follow profile videos of a couple of go stars to give okay. people um, a sense of who gets involved in this kind of craziness right can you share those on our Facebook page yes I will of course and hopefully if you're listening to this and you haven't liked our Facebook page, you will go like it right now. Yes, which is yeah. the uh, uh, the, the agency. agency podcast group. Yeah, that's right. And uh, come and find us there. Uh, that's cool, Eugene. I love it. Very cool. So what have you been up to? Well, I just went to Tennessee for a couple of days, hence using my GPS. Ah. So I went to see my friends that I was painting for in Tennessee and Clarksville and we went to Nashville for the day one day on Sunday and we just hung out and did some local things and relaxed and watched TV and visited it's really really fun nice. and one that sounds of like her, fun it was one of our roommates made the best meatloaf last night it was oh, so man. good tell me all of that you know I have well, a meatloaf hat he said he put a teaspoon of salt a teaspoon of pepper a <laughs> teaspoon of parsley a teaspoon of um a one sauce he put in some 
I think you put in tomato paste. I mean, it was pretty classic, two eggs and a few breadcrumbs. And mm -hmm. he, and uh, it was and so good. It was all use? caramelized. He, he use... Oh, good question. He is one pound grass fed beef okay. with one pound of sausage patties that he chopped up and mashed into the ground beef. Oh my combined God. With it. Yeah. So I think oh my that's God. that would add a lot of love, a lot um, of love and, and flavor. Bit, yeah. Maybe not extra health, healthy, <laughs> but, um, but still uh, yum. Yeah. I love the contrast with the 100% uh, grass fed organic yes. beef. <laughs> <laughs> you know what my mom used to do when she made meatloaf, uh, which made me the meatloaf hound that I am today right. um, is she would make meatloaf using half beef and half pork with okay. chopped up celery in it. Oh, this had an um, onion. Okay. Yeah. She would use also sometimes an okay. onion, sometimes a green pepper yeah. and chop it up mm -hmm. and then some breadcrumbs. And then she would take strips of bacon and she would lay the strips of bacon crisscrossed atop, across the top of the, the meatloaf. Oh, yeah, that sounds now, so you know, good. it's going to be insane. That right? is because insane. it's covered in bacon. Yes. And anything covered in bacon. I think I had your mom's meatloaf because that's ringing a bell. They Probably. Were so, it was so and, good. And then what she would do is she would baste it. She would coat it and then go in and baste it about every oh, 20 minutes God. with the only thing I've ever seen this product ever <laughs> used for. And that is Heinz chili sauce. Wow. You know what I'm talking about? I the do, Heinz, I've never. They're sort of a short, stocky yep. bottle, funny mm -hmm. looking, stocky bottle mm -hmm. with the wide mouth. Yep. Um, wow. The only thing I've ever used it for is cooking my mom's meatloaf. Wow. Yeah, you baste the bacon with the chili sauce. And what happens is, forget what's underneath it. The chili mm. sauce caramelizes with the bacon, turning it into spicy bacon candy <laughs> on top funny. of some meat. Too funny. Right? I mean, it's insanely good. And you have that. Mm with homemade bread as a sandwich with mm. more chili sauce on top of the, on top of the meat. Wow. Crazy. Just crazy. crazy. Comfort food diner in spades. Yeah. Numbers. That sounds so good. Yeah. So we, um, what do we do? We did, we did a little exploring. Um, we went, Oh, I insisted. I finally went to the gay bar that was just down the street from her house. Cause she, we didn't go when I was there the whole time. We kept, oh, really? Okay. We drove by and we drove into the parking lot and she talked to one of the bartenders there. They had a tent outside. This was in October. And once a month they have an HIV testing or information uh, booth there. Okay, cool. Uh, just in the parking lot. But anyway, she did talk to the, to the bartender and we said, yeah, yeah, we're going to come, but we never did. And so I said, forget about it. We're going, it doesn't matter. We have to go. And um, we didn't think we were going to be staying up very late. So we went around. We went at a really dumb time. The place opened up at four, though. It was open. And we went around five. <laughs> and we stayed till about eight. And we talked to the bartender owner. That's my speed. I know. And um, <laughs> we talked to the bartender I know. I like the, 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 the edge of disdain <laughs> in your voice. I know. I know. Well, listen, if, I, if I'd known, we, we would have paced ourselves if we were going to go out late. But she was shy to go by herself. And so I said, well, I'm here. Let's go. And the bartender was fantastic. He's been there for seven years. He used was to it be the same bartender? No, that Jennifer, oh, okay. was, Jennifer was the bartender. This was the owner bartender. Okay. Okay. So he's the owner of the bar and he owns it with this, with two of his sisters. He has a family of 10 um, siblings, and, but and two what's of it? Sisters. What's the bar called? Let's give them a shout out. Fusion. Fusion. F, yeah. And you know why it's fusion? He wants everyone to be able to come there. 
All even, right. straight, even straight people like me. Even straight people. Cool. Yep. yep. So um, we had a really good visit with him. His name's Buddy. And it's on a Riverside Drive in um, Riverside in Clarksville. And um, we just looked at all the events. And my God, it was decorated so fantastic for the holiday season. I took pictures of it and I'll share that on our social media. I'll just I just took a couple of pictures, but they had a big stage. And, you know, all the glitter and everything. Then they had like fake packages wrapped up and they had every corner of this place decorated. And he said, oh, no, we haven't finished yet. <laughs> Beautiful. So it's going to be a lot of fun in there. And um, on Tuesday is trivia night. And you know how bad I wanted to play trivia night. But that's now pretty it's bad. I bet pretty bad. It's happening right now. And then Wednesdays is bingo night. Now, I think my friend is going to go for bingo night. And um, he was just telling us about some of the people that were going there and that she would feel comfortable. So I'm hoping she'll go there tomorrow night. And um, we had, uh, there was going to be a drag show that night, but it didn't start till 10 when we were in. We said, there's no way we're going to make it. The night before they had two drag performers and I kind of made a joke, some guys from the military. And he goes, yeah, because Fort Campbell was a huge base there. And he said, ah. yeah, no, they had just come back from deployment. And this was their first performance since they got back. Cool. Very cool, right? He said, no, we have a lot of uh, military drag queens performing here. I said, okay, Who I wondered. I, that makes perfect sense, right? Right? I mean, yeah, totally what your weird. occupation is uh -huh. should really be a factor, I wouldn't think. No, it wouldn't be. No. And now, I guess, and I said, oh, did they have to keep it secret from work or anything? Is not completely not. So that was pretty cool. Uh, maybe, maybe. Maybe nobody advertises their drag queens, but maybe everybody does. I don't know. And they have drag kings too on um, maybe it was Thursday. I don't know what night. Maybe it was Thursday night. So that would be fun too. And um, what else did we do? We went out for dinner a couple of times and we did a lot of secondhand shopping. I looked at all kinds of things going on there. Find and, anything good? Mm, yeah, lots of good things. She got a chair and I, I wanted to buy some stuff, but I didn't because, you know, did you see any I don't live there. That's all I look for if I go to Stack well, I will tell you something that was really sweet is on many of the radio stations, music stores were talking to, they had a lot of sales on fiddles and banjos and everything because we were in Tennessee. <laughs> so you don't hear that oh, in cool. Chicago. Uh, oh, hey, I wanted, to, I wanted to mention that one of our guests, yeah. um, uh, Joe Newberry, yes. um, has a new album out along oh, with April Virch. Yeah. And it's uh, old time Christmas music. How fun. Yeah, so I haven't heard it yet. Um, oh. I've, I've read a couple of reviews. Uh, everyone's saying it's really great because it's for people who want Christmassy music, but don't want like the really cliched Christmas. Uh, so I wonder if, if he'd come on here and talk to us about it again. <laughs> hey, we could always ask. I think that is in your ballpark. <laughs> uh, for sure. Um, we can maybe yeah, sell. That would be a great idea. And me, I heard Joe on on uh, an earlier episode and you're interested in his music uh well here's a, here's a chance to, to support an excellent musician yes. um and two excellent musicians april virch um one of my favorite fiddlers canadian fiddler from beautiful pembroke ontario in the ottawa valley mm -hmm. um what a great duo they are and yeah. so i'm just happy to give them a shout out because uh i think they're pretty fantastic and uh they deserve lots of success very cool well, I went to see a great movie. What'd you see? I saw House of Gucci. Oh, okay, tell me all about it. Oh my God. Sheila so saw it. I haven't good. seen it. Oh, it was so good. I wanted you to see it so badly. Um, it's so good. I just, it was one of those times where you just sit in the theater and the theater was full. It was I packed. understand that the Gucci family are not impressed. 
I don't think there's any Gucci's still alive. I mean, that's a ridiculous uh, headline story um, because I think it's probably their children and oh, okay. they weren't there. And how would they know? I mean, it doesn't matter. No one's going to say, hey, I like the Gucci's or I hate the Gucci's. So what, what's it all about? Well, it's funny because I do hate the Gucci's. No, I don't hate the Gucci's. I hate Gucci as a, as a design. I didn't like all those clothes. It, apparently, though, it turns out I do like Gucci. I like the bad brother with the bad taste and his clothes, apparently, because when he had his fashion show in the movie, I was like, oh, I like those. <laughs> and then the, he got closed down and, and it was a scandal. Um, okay, basically, <laughs> it starts with a young woman who works for her dad in Italy. And you see her walking. She's uh, She does some paperwork in his office. And... Um, and it's Lady Gaga, who most of the movie, I completely forgot was Lady Gaga. She was really vivacious. Not that she isn't anyway. I didn't mean it that way. I mean, she's so good and she's so into her role that I just kind of forgot it was her most of the time. And it was really, she was really she's, fantastic. She's pretty monstrously talented at everything she, she does. I think she's getting get up Oscar. there in the Dolly category of yes, uh, fantasticness. I think, yes, I think she's going to get an Oscar for this. She just Fair was, fan- and it's difficult for uh, comedies to get an Oscar but I think she might pull it off. Now, overall, you might have seen this movie. This movie kind of reminded me of Pritzi's Honor. Oh, never saw that either. Oh, okay. So you maybe you're going to watch that this week. Um, Angelica Houston kind of stole the movie from everybody. And and there's kind of that gangster vibe going on in it. And, and this had this too. So you've got... Um, she runs into a, at a nightclub, a young man who's behind the bar. He's not working there, but I guess his friend is, it's her place. So he somehow makes her a drink and, and she's very, and so Lady Gaga's character is Patricia, 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 it's a great name, uh, kind of gets into this guy and his name's Gucci. And she really likes it, Mauricio Gucci. So she basically stalks him, finds out where he hangs out and coincidentally shows up and uh, that's not an uncommon practice for um, a lot of certain women to do. A lot of certain I, women. I know, I know women who have done that. I know girls who really? have done that. Anyway, okay. she does I, I don't think I've ever been being stalked, man. Uh, yeah, well, I, I, I don't even don't... get internet trolls, much less oh. honest to God. Well, actually, oh, wait a minute. We'll back up. Yeah, true. you did. Remember I, I did. I did. What for Way a little back while. Way back at the beginning of our podcast. Oh, in the, er- in the early 80s, there, there was hmm. a woman at my workplace who oh, would really? just like keep yeah she would keep appearing in front of me <laughs> and suggesting that we go out somewhere and she scared the hell out of me yeah wow well good for you i had a stalker i don't want to talk about it either um i want to save it for my documentary um i had an internet stalker so um yeah it's a horrible yucky feeling and yes it's uncomfortable when someone's too into you <laughs> there's like a yeah. certain level where no, don't be that into me, please. As opposed um, to the normal problem. Just that you're into them. Yeah, <laughs> just that you're attracted or something. So they meet at this cocktail party. Then she coincidentally shows up where he was hanging out. I don't know if it was a library or a law school or something. And I think he's studying to be a lawyer. And they start dating. And then you meet his family. And his family is very entertaining. Um, they seem to be there's not a lot of um, seeing the fashion being designed in this movie. They are already an established fashion house and um, they made loafers, right. And suits and some bags. Um, And that was already established. Um, What seems to be happening actually is that they're on the decline. Okay. They had their heyday and now they seem to be declining, Uh, but she gets involved in this family and kind of 
gets married and maybe even gives it a bit of a kickstart. I don't think she designs. I don't really get that, but, but some energy comes into the family. And then all of this infighting happens. And it's really her. That's why I don't know why the Gucci's would be mad because it's kind of her that's pissed off. She's very controlling. And um, one thing leads to another and um, you just follow the, the drama of this family. But also it's very funny. Like I was laughing out loud. The audience was laughing quite a bit. I was laughing so much that at the end of the movie, the guy next to me just immediately started talking to me like we'd watched the movie together. It was kind of funny. I wish I'd known <laughs> that because it would have been nice to look at him and laugh in the movie. He didn't just happen to know you were going to that that theater. Really. <laughs> he happened to show up <laughs> and his name was Stag. No, no. Yeah, if you if you bump into him in a bar next week, then uh, be careful. Right, 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 right. Oh, he was very, very nice guy. I don't think he'd be a problem. And he he took off right away, but he did talk to me for a bit. And and we were, I, I think it was because we were laughing next to each other. You know, we just kind of shared that. It was one of the first times in a long time I've had a communal movie experience like that, where the whole room seemed to be together in this movie. I can't say everyone enjoyed it or disliked it or anything, but it definitely was communal feeling. There was, I was screen talking and laughing and other people were laughing. Like I was mumbling under my breath, like, no, cool. no, no. And the clothing was pretty cool. Um, Lady Gaga had some great outfits on. Like she had a gold shirt on one time. I mean, I would never want to wear it or anything, but it, it kind of made me feel like, God, maybe I would wear that. It was so insanely gold. There have been brief moments in my life when, when <laughs> I've wanted a berry white style, green, gold, glittery suit. Oh my God, I'm going to look for one for you. <laughs> Even though, you know, I would you never actually that. want to wear it. I think but it I would... Look- but I would imagine wearing it. <laughs> I think it'd be an amazing thing to wear. You'd have to own a Cadillac with your like fiddle. a vintage Cadillac. I know, but I think with a fiddle or or your uh, banjo would be an amazing stage outfit. <laughs> or yeah, or just drive on busky. stage, right? Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Hey, we have mail. We do. Yes, we do. I did not know that. It's because it didn't come to our usual mail account. It came to what? my personal mail account. Oh, nice. It's from our friend, Sneaky. friend of the podcast, yes. Lorna. Oh, Lorna. Hi, Lorna. Oh, my God. Lorna says, I'm loving the podcast. And it reminded oh. me of what a great conversationalist you are. For the record. <laughs> well, yeah, she's, she says something nice about me first. And then she's <laughs> going to say she agrees with you. Okay. So oh, for the record, I, I agree Lorna, with I Candy <laughs> on Steve. Like she just doesn't mince words. She gets right to it. For the record, I agree with Candy on, on Stephen King as a writer. I avoided him for years until I accidentally read a short story of his in the New Yorker set oh. in the immediate aftermath of a plane crash. Oh. If I can find the title, I'll send it to you. I read The Stand, too, and my biggest takeaway was how American the setup was. A disaster that kills most of the population, mm-hmm. but leaves everyone's stuff laying around. <laughs> anyway, carry That's on. Well you remembered. and Candy are great company at all times, not just pandemic times. <laughs> thank you well, for thank that, Doug, that lovely email, Lorna. We really do appreciate it. <laughs> thank you. Even if you agree with Candy on Stephen King, <laughs> you get a pass on that because you sent such a lovely email. And- Thank you. And I was having a hard time getting any of my points out there last week. So I really appreciate that. <laughs> oh, because I was talking over you? A little bit. <laughs> no. No, it wasn't that you were talking over me. I just would be in the middle of something. I felt as if we got veered off. And I veer off all the time. I'm the queen of um, random You are a veerer offer sometimes. I am a veerer offer. And then I like to come back to it. Yeah. 
Um, oh, I've got well, to say okay, something. So I want to make sure that you yeah. get your points in here now. So what shall we talk about, Candy? Well, no, it, I think it has to happen naturally and mutually between <laughs> us. It's just, we just got to pretend that we're really interested in what the other person's saying. <laughs> you mean listen? No, just pretend you're interested. You, you know, I come from a family in which, in, in which we all love to talk and mm-hmm. hate to listen. So if you if you I'm sure you've been at family gatherings at uh, at the Napic place. Yes. They're crazy because you get if if my family's all together, everybody is shouting to be heard over everybody else and no one is listening to what anyone is saying. <laughs> when yeah, my father no, I, was with us, he was the king of that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Yeah, that, that, I think that, that, Did you know, I interrupt you, Candy? You, no, it gives you some skills. It gives you some skills to try and get in there. No, no, no. I don't feel interrupted. I'm glad we had a letter from a listener, and that's so exciting. I wanted to remember to say, and I wish I had remembered which episode it was, but remember, we talked, we have a little connection to um, House of Gucci because I interviewed John T. Yates. And she was in Rome at the time when I interviewed her about the counselor and the jewelry and the costumes. Do you remember that? John T. Yates is a, a Oscar winning yes, yes. costume designer and yes. she's been with Ridley Scott for forever. And she would have been working on House of Gucci when I talked to her. Isn't that cool? Wow, very cool. Because she yeah. had inter- she was in Rome and she was inter- she was had to wait till she had a break from her set while she was filmmaking. I had no idea what she was working on. I just very, she was, very cool, isn't it? I knew she was working on a film with, with Ridley Scott, who is one of my very favorite filmmakers. And um, that's the other reason why I, I had no doubt I was going to run to the theater to see House of Gucci. And as soon as he makes a movie, I'm there. It just he never fails. He's always amazing. And he always has gorgeous looking movies. Uh, she so, was at the movies right now. Oh, is she? I wonder speak. what she's seeing. Well, she's seeing um, Ghostbusters. Oh, is it like Ghostbusters twenty four or something? I think four or five. Like Ghostbusters Afterlife. Afterlife. Yes. Yeah, you know I think what? that's what she's seeing. I yeah. almost saw it after House of Gucci because I was going to try and stock up on my content while I was at the theater, but I got it was late and dark and I had to go. Um, but I'm going to try and see that in Belfast this coming week. Do you know what else I'm going to try and see? I oh, just, and uh, Belfast. I thought you said. I'm going to try to see that in Belfast. And oh. I thought, well, geez, I blink and she's in Tennessee. I blink and she's in Brooklyn. Now she's going to Belfast. Oh, I know. You're going to see I'm, Belfast. Okay. I'm really, really working on my road trip stuff here. So I wanted to mention, so you would watch it. Maybe some of our listeners, there's a couple of things here I think will interest both of us and some of our listeners. Um, I love hearing about the new movies coming out and new programs. I'm pretty excited. So there's something coming out and I think it's on Netflix called Don't Look Up. Have you heard of that? Nope. It's a comedy about the end of the world and it's coming out tomorrow or the next day, December 11th. And okay. it's got Leonardo DiCaprio, um, Meryl Streep. It looks funny. I think she's playing the president. Film or series? It's just a film. I think okay. it's just a film. And then something else you're going to be super, you might've already seen this. Have you heard of Drive My Car? Nope. Okay. It's a Japanese movie. It's a contender for an Oscar for foreign film. And it's based on a short story by someone we both love, Haruki Murakami. Oh, wow. Yeah. Cool. And that opens, I think, on December 10th. So those are two things that maybe and we can try. And that's going to be streaming or at the movies? I think it's at the movies. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think uh, it's we'll look for movies. it here. And I, as I said, I can't find streaming of Belfast, so I'm going to go see it in the theater. 
Okay. Well, I can introduce okay. a couple of series to you. Okay, good. Because because you know uh, my partner Sheila is <laughs> is the world's greatest stumbler into great series. I don't yes. know how she does it. <laughs> uh, maybe but she needs looks. Maybe. <laughs> I, I think that somehow you just took a shot at me. Inadvertently. I really didn't want mean to, but it did come out that way. But it wasn't. It was pure. I think art. that was a shot. It was kind but, of a backhand. You know Whack. what? I'm not, I'm not really a shot person. Okay. I'm not really a shots person. I mean, unless it's like if I can make a joke in and it's known, it's a good shot. But that literally was pure of heart. Maybe she looks. Okay. Yeah. So, um, Two, two new series uh, we started watching. One we've only been able to watch two episodes of because that's all that, that are available so far. So oh. it's just streaming now. It's coming out every Sunday. Um, we get it on Prime uh, through, we get stars on Prime. Right. And that's that's where it is. And it's called Vigil. Okay. And Vigil is the name of a nuclear submarine. Hmm. And this is, a, it is a submarine TV series, Candy. And, and you know is, I'm in heaven. Yeah, this is a submarine podcast. <laughs> we love our this submarine is, content. This is like murder on a nuclear sub. Oh, nice. Okay. And it starts off, it has the most exciting beginning. It starts off, there's a trawler. And they, they've got their nets out and the nets are like cabled in behind the boats and they're dragging, uh -huh. this trawler's dragging these, these nets. And all of a sudden, something has hit the net, and there's there's a like a bang, and all of a sudden their trawler starts being pulled backwards. So uh, just imagine the scene of a of a trawler with a flat back end mm -hmm. being pulled backwards mm -hmm. at a tremendous speed. Oh yeah! So it's making this huge wake, wake. wave. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, because it's got the flat, flat. end. Uh, yes. And everyone's freaking out because they can't stop it, and the nets are cabled onto this trawler. Mm. And so then you see the trawler starts to tip up and go down. Oh, it's gonna go down. Yeah. It goes down, and what do and, you do? Do you oh jump my off? God. Well, you don't know what happened to, to all, all, all the people. You know it went mm, down. Mm. And then you see there's you're in a submarine. You're in <laughs> okay. a nuclear submarine. And these guys are looking at the pattern of wake. And they're, they're trying to decide what the hell it is. And oh, they, wow, realize, they don't realize what happened. They, they, what they realize is it's hooked onto a submarine, but it's not them. Yeah. Cool. So if you're a nuclear submarine and you're being shadowed by another submarine mm -hmm. and you don't you don't even know it's there, mm. this is called having a bad day. <laughs> this is like Excellent. the worst thing that could happen if you're a submarine commander <laughs> is you're being shadowed by the enemy wow. and you don't even know they're there and until until they catch the nets of a trawler and rip the trawler underwater. And do they know uh, they're, they probably don't realize they've been busted. That now well, they, they probably know that they they've hooked into the trawler. Okay. Okay. So they've, they've sunk this trawler and wow. the guy on, on the vigil can't say anything because no one's supposed to know where they are. Mm. They're like their mission as a nuclear deterrent is dependent on nobody knowing where they are. Mm. And they, they're being followed. They can't like tell a reporter this. Mm -hmm. So on the on the heels of this, 
as this is happening, there's somebody on board and this somebody is raising a huge stink. Like, aren't you going to help the people? You have to help the people. And the captain says, I can't help the people. I can't do anything Mm -hmm. because we can't reveal our position. So this guy is really upset. And the next thing you know is he's been found dead in his bunk. Oh, wow. (laughs) Oh, yeah. I mean, it's got the best beginning. For a series, like it got me so charged up, and it's so well done. Yeah, and the the so it's the jurisdiction of the local police to investigate the death on board a boat, uh, in these waters, Mm -hmm. um, except that they can't reveal the position of the of the submarine, Uh and so they decide they're going to send a police detective onto the ship to investigate, Mm -hmm. and they send. um, Are you familiar with the actor uh, Saran Jones? She's played. Um, yes, I do. Yeah, I know uh, her very well. Yeah, she's played all kinds of different yep. things, right? Yep. Um, including. Um, Junebug. Uh, Bailey Scott. Was it Scott and Bailey? Ba- uh, there's a whole I bunch know, of series. I know who, Bailey of the Rumpole or something, maybe? No, it's not that. Anyway, no. there's a bunch okay. of British things. She's, she's I know her. all over the place. You see her yeah. all the time. Yeah. She's really, really strong actor. Yes. Um, and um, and Rose Leslie as, as Detective Sergeant Kirsten. Uh, and she's she's like the liaison on land, and she mm-hmm. can send messages to the submarine, but the submarine can't send messages back. And she goes to investigate the death, and she discovers within ten minutes she knows it's murder. Wow! And nobody is cooperating. It is so exciting. It is wow, fabulous. We've only seen. So only seen two episodes so far. It's good. It's all all there. But I know already that there's protesters, there's the regular police, there's the Royal Navy, and there's MI5. And by the way, <laughs> in the tradition is, of submarine movies, <laughs> it's Scottish. Oh, good. Okay. So it doesn't have Sean Very Connery, nice. but it's Scottish. Right. Um, wow, it's so good. It doesn't open up here till it doesn't get released here on streaming until December 23rd. How could we be ahead of you I, guys? I well, love that. I guess because it's British or Scottish. Yeah, and we're, it's Scottish. we're like in the we're in the Commonwealth. Right. Yeah. So I think um that might be why. Um yeah, I, and I, I don't remember so what watch it's, for it's coming it. in. I will be watch every... for it. I mean it's I'm a submarine movie fanatic. I love it. I know. Them, so. I love it. So that's one of the two series. The other one is called BMF. Oh, um, which is stands for Black Mafia Family. Okay, <laughs> and it's yeah, you know, when I as soon as I saw BMF, I used to work in the BMF, but it was bulk mail facility. <laughs> <laughs> so um, it's based on a true on true events, or as it says in the opening credits, some of this shit may have actually happened. <laughs> That's awesome. And it's about two brothers from Detroit in the late eighties. Um, Big Meech Flannery and Southwest T Terry Flannery, two brothers. The one is like the smarter brother, the mm-hmm. sort of the geeky smarter brother, and the other one is the action brother. Well, they become drug dealers and they become really, really good at it mm. until they're national drug dealers and they they've got so much money they start investing in the hip hop business. So they're really involved with all kinds of well-known hip-hop recordings, like funding them, because they've got lots of money from the drug business. Okay. Um, And it's 
it's the story of these two brothers and how they they take over the the drug trade and become these really notorious national level um (laughs) highbrow uh drug dealers um and it's a series that's really um it's about love betrayal and as as one reviewer put it thug capitalism (laughs) i guess that's opposed to ballpoint pen capitalism yes Yes, I think you're right. You know, as Woody Guthrie would say, some people will rob you with a fountain pen. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this is in the this is thug capitalism. It's good, huh? Uh, all in pursuit of the American dream, and right. it's it's um, it kind of has a flavor that's that's like The Wire, mm-hmm. um, and it even has a character in it who's really an outlaw among outlaws, very much like an Omar type character who is just he's crazy and nasty. Mm-hmm. Oh wow! So we just started watching that. I'm uh, after we finish recording, I may just relax and watch another episode. Oh well, I might. Try um, and Sheila's, find it. Sheila's ahead because okay. while I was playing Go a couple of times, <laughs> she she watched the entire eight episodes. Oh, now I listened to a radio program one time where people were calling in and they were very upset. It was called like media cheating. <laughs> when when you're oh, both like to watch one, one show partner, and one of you goes ahead. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and people well, you know, really it's, not, it's not such a big deal for us. Plus, if we like it, if one or the again. other of us starts it, you just watch it again. I know. I sometimes watch a movie and then watch it again with Stig. I'm going to watch, I must be insane because I'm going to watch Anthony Bourdain's movie again. So I must be out of my mind. Oh, I couldn't do it. I know. I, I, I don't know if I can. Me. I don't know if I can. I, I, I said I'm going to, but maybe I'll just put him in front of the TV because <laughs> I noticed it came up on Netflix. And my friend in Tennessee, we, we talked about it this weekend because she'd just seen it. So we're, we're talking about uh, some of the lines in that movie. It's, it's called, so sad. It's so sad. And, you know, just analyzing it is like a mystery story in a way, because you think, you know, that person, and then all these clues are in that movie. So once we were talking about it, my friend and I started thinking, oh my God, maybe I do want to watch it again. But I just, one thing I remember was his brother said, well, listen, if I'd been there, he would have killed me. He had so much anger, Right that he was going to kill somebody. And if somebody had been there, it would have been that person. Um, you know what I wanted to add? I'm just being scattered here. BMF is also a bad motherfucker. Yes, I know that. Yes. I oh, wasn't okay. going to say that. Oh. <laughs> I was going to leave that one out there for our uh, enlightened audience to know. I'm totally going to call the episode BMF. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we'll get lots of hits. <laughs> Well, could be. I mean, downloads by that, not hits. Yeah, hits. <laughs> That's very funny. Uh, did you uh, did you see the latest Succession on Sunday? Nope, nope, nope. I did not. Well, you got to catch up. I, I will. I will. And you know, the thing is, when I start watching, I, 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 once I start watching it, it's like I can't stop. It's actually very compelling. It's sort of like eating a you know a box of cookies all at once or something. <laughs> you know, I think it's the reason why it's compelling is both. Be- well, there's two reasons. One is because it's a family drama, yeah. and we all have messed up families, yeah, right. And yeah. so you know, we can see our own messed up families and their messed up family. Uh, that and um, we like to make fun of the uber privileged. Yes, that's true. Right. I mean, what true. what better relief when we don't have the tens of millions of dollars that that they have and um, mm-hmm. And their crazy privileged lives, mm-hmm. but to make fun of them. And like Seinfeld, they're all sociopaths. So oh, it's, yeah. it's just fun to watch them because, you know, I don't like any of them. Um, no, I, I haven't. Do you have anybody that I like you feel sore? 
I just wondered if you've ever, have you developed somebody that you care about? Because I'm not developing a care for anybody. Oh, yet. the only one I care about is Greg. The, the grandson? Yeah. Well, I guess he's the one that might have some potential for redemption. He's like a human, at least. He is like a human. You know, they, they found him. He was smoking weed when he should have been working at an amusement park. Right. I feel um, like... And suddenly, I think he's going to be the CEO. I'm sure of it. So I'm cheering I Greg guess on. So. Okay. All right. I guess I just feel like they're going to corrupt him, you know? Um, not that there's far from to go because he's not very developed, you know? Um, no, he's not. He, not that the characters way. are well developed. And, I, but I, I mean, don't mean that in a writing way. I meant that in a spiritual, moral I way. I love right? yeah. the, the actor who plays Tom. I just <laughs> love the way he can make Tom seem stupid, even oh, when yeah. he doesn't have any lines. It's yes. really wonderful. It is he wonderful. Has just, he's got the the aura of stupidity around him. Yeah, he rem- I call him Uriah Heep. He reminds me of the character Uriah Heep in, um, in one of Charles Dickens' stories. The smarmy... He's yes, yes. nice, but he's smarmy. He he's way smarter than he appears, and he is on a con. He's definitely on a con. I oh, do yeah. not like him, but I don't like anybody at the show. Oh, and this crazy. there's there's a lot of play in this last episode, which I wasn't going to talk about at all about <laughs> whether he and Shiv like love each other. You know, I kind of like her. Do you? Think, no, no. I don't even want to be in the same room. No, what I like about <laughs> her is the actress. It's not her. No, she's a horrible ah. person. But the actress is so good at it and so compelling. And she's, you can't take your eyes off of her. She's kind of fascinating. Um, but no, I do not like her as a person. No, no, no. There's nobody there I like. Nobody. Well, in this episode, what you can look forward to is their mom's marriage. Oh, that's interesting. Yes, and they all show she's up. She's a piece of work they, too. Isn't they all she? show. Yes, she's a total piece of work. <laughs> they all show up for mom's mom's oh, wedding. Oh, okay. So it's uh, it's quite a it's an excellent episode. Mm. I really liked it. Mm. So you know, we were going to share a read, reading a book, right? And I don't. And did you get it? Guess you what? I got it? it today. When I got home, it was here. Uh, excellent. So yeah. we'll we'll save that for next week. Thank then. you. Thank you. Um, and so maybe someone else together. is reading Indians on a Vacation with us. Yes, Indians so. on Vacation. It's it's a novel came out this year by Thomas King, <laughs> very well known Canadian Indigenous writer. Um, he wrote The Inconvenient Indian, uh, Green Grass, Running Water. He's written a number of books, mm-hmm. uh, including uh, the Dreadful Water Mysteries. Right. Um, uh, nonfiction, truth about stories, uh, the inconvenient uh, Indian, a curious account of Native people in North America, also some children's books. Um, I really identified with the narrator of this of this book. I thought it was delightful. It's a mm. book with very little plot, very okay. little happens. Okay. Um, Enjoy it, and we'll we'll talk about it next right, week. I hope good. some I'll... of our listeners have a chance to uh, to read it, and you could join in the discussion. Yeah, that would be good. And um, in fact, if you read the book and you want to come on the podcast <laughs> and discuss it with idea. us, just let us know. What yeah, please. That's a good. That's you don't a have much time because we're talking about it next week. That's so you got to get to it. Get I guess I'm going to have to cram this somehow. Um, hey, you know, I watched a really great movie. You've probably already seen it. It's a documentary called Killing Patient Zero. You see no, that a couple never years heard ago? Of it. Well, do you know what patient zero is? No. The term comes from AIDS. And as a matter of fact, it's funny because in the film, they say they never knew a straight person back in the 80s who heard the term patient zero. I, however, did because 
Um, I had a lot of gay friends and there was that whole rumor with patient zero, but it's kind of a bullshit um, term. So the, the, the documentary is about when AIDS came, they called it, it was called gay cancer. It's made by Lori Lynn, a Canadian filmmaker. So there are some Canadian characters in there. One of particular interest to you and I is R.M. Vaughn. They okay. are interviewed in here. Remember they went missing last year yeah. and they were found about 10 days later on the East Coast, a writer from Toronto. Yes. Yes. Anyway, they are they are in there. There's lots of um, friend Leibowitzes in it, but there's also lots of people we might not know who were AIDS activists in San Francisco. And it's basically talking about that there was an idea that there might be one particular person who had slept around so much that they gave tons of people AIDS. And they portrayed that person as the person, the monster who gave us AIDS, um, the person who spread AIDS everywhere. And um, Randy Schultz. Typical kind of typical kind of human story, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. And also when you apply a kind of um, you want to find out an answer or a punchline or a blame and you don't understand the science and how a virus spreads or how we would market. So um, this guy had been vilified. His name was um, Gutien Dugas, and he was French Canadian from Quebec City. And um, they interview some of his school friends. Some He was a flight attendant and they interview a couple of the flight attendants he worked with. And they just tell us how, what a great guy he was. So much fun. He was never afraid to be in the closet. Um, they, were, they weren't saying what they were. They weren't being gay at work or in, in their right. family, but he was, okay? And, um, and that he was a real party baby, loved going to New York, to San Francisco, slept around and had a great time. And he was, it was in the seventies. And they show these clips of the seventies. You Those cannot- Those have seventies. You cannot believe it's possible. You just can't but believe- the outfits? <laughs> well, the outfits, the, um, the idea of, you know, the clubs in New York City and the nudity right. and sexuality. I mean, I. You just don't see that today. <laughs> Not out in the street, but in New York City, you might see it. In San Francisco, you might have seen it in the uh, 70s and 80s. And it's not so much anymore. Same in Chicago um, and Toronto. What am I talking about? The nightclubs in Toronto were crazy in the 80s. Um, right, Lorna? And, um, or Hobie. And um, so it's about the um, trying to find out what was going on. And Randy Schultz wrote a book, which I had read, and a documentary uh, called And the Band Played On. It was a fantastic book about how it appeared that the government just didn't give a shit about AIDS, so they didn't do anything about it, right? That was one of the arguments, but they had this guy kind of created the, Randy Schultz kind of put this morality on this guy that he may have slept with people knowing he was sick, and he shouldn't have. But the problem was, between 1979 and 1984, it was not confirmed that sexual behavior spread AIDS at all, at all. They didn't know how it was spread. In fact, they first thought it was spread by poppers or was it in the air or how was it, how did people get infected? People did not know. And it's kind of hard to believe right now that actually just like coronavirus, we didn't know how it first spread. We weren't sure. That's why no one wore masks. Well, no, but there were experts who were, who were sure wrongly 10 different times along the way yes of both aids and coronavirus you're yes. right 
Yes, you're right. Like that's and just that's just the nature of the world. You're right, because I, I was thinking those same things when I was watching this documentary. And um, so basically, it's about kind of giving this guy his pers- his persona back, his 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 own power back, that they had vilified this guy. And what we now know, as you go through talking to everybody about who was involved in protests, um, there were some settings in um, in Vancouver and San Francisco and activism in those cities. And then you um, slowly start to find out that the people studying the virus, um, he actually was very cooperative with them. They found something like they had about 50 people who were getting um, cancer on their face, that uh, uh, KS, Carposi sarcoma. And they asked them, well, who are you with? Who are you with? You know, can we try and find this out? And, and, and often they were like, well, I was with this French Canadian flight attendant. They're like, this might be the same person. And eventually someone said, well, I've got his business card. I do have his name. And then they went and phoned him and he said, yeah, I'll definitely talk to you. So this virologist did talk to him. He even went to Atlanta, Georgia and gave them his blood. But he also said, I'm not going to stop and let you put morality on me when you don't even know how we're spreading this. Don't doctors don't tell me you're going to fix me and by sex and telling me who I can sleep with like you did through all the decades before controlling gay people. We're finally free and we're finally liberated. And now you're going to tell us we can't have sex again. Right. And I think also a lot of young people wouldn't realize that about that kind of progression and story. It's a fantastic documentary and um it sounds excellent it's really good and one of the guys it's a lot of talking heads um unlike a lot of documentaries where you're all over the place and a bit more but um one of them is asked about the AIDS, AIDS legacy and he said it took 800,000 gay men to die in the USA to be able to recognize gay men are part of society and culture so I thought that was pretty wild because, um, and then Fran Lebowitz says her theory or her belief is that um, AIDS was the reason why we permitted uh, gay marriage. So that was kind of interesting too, because, you know. I'm trying to follow that. I guess her, well, her idea would be that if, if, if you can get married, she says, and live in Georgia and have a family, you will. And she said, it, the average homosexual turns out to be average rather than a more homosexual. I thought it was pretty funny. Just mm-hmm. the more okay. more average than more homosexual, yeah. So that's what you, if you're allowed to have a family life, you will. Um, anyway, and that it's safer. Although they also interview people who said, "I don't want to even call my partner wife. I was not really for this. I didn't think we should get marriage." And that, I think that's a part of um, the gay marriage struggle, um, equality, but we don't know about very much. So that hinted towards another great idea for a documentary, actually. It's people who didn't want to be, um, I guess I would say maybe it would be that they didn't want to be that um, hetero um, morality was uh, uh, imposed on them, right? Has there been a kind of blossoming in the documentary world in the last couple of years? My theory is <laughs> it's because Why of the pandemic. Why are you thinking about this? Yeah, I have because of the okay. pandemic. It's not that there's a blossoming. It's that Netflix needed content so badly. Oh, and, and so all the we're, streamings, where they were brought all out. The streaming the services and people yep. at home watching. And so people are creating content. They already because had it. they can. Oh. And maybe it was sitting in a can somewhere. You know, right. there's filmmakers out there with cans of film. 
Yeah. And um, they can't afford to make it. So I do think that maybe that's it. I, I don't know if that'll be, I could prove that or not, but that's my theory. That's an it's, interesting theory. Yeah. Yeah. I hadn't considered that at all, but I had noticed that there seems to be a blossoming of good documentaries. Yes. And also, I think maybe we like documentaries more. Maybe people are really maybe. enjoying them a bit more. Maybe. And the, the subcategory of true crime has gone yes. crazy. Like, yes. I mean, there are more people making true crime documentaries than own restaurants on College Street. Well, you know, it's funny because Dateline now says we've been doing true crime for 30 years. Like they'll say that on their commercials and when they start and they're right. I mean, they were sure. just that show once a week, Dateline, murder, murder, murder. Right. But um, no, people want that. Hey, I had a reflexology massage on the weekend, too. What is reflexology? Oh, well, I call it a near death experience. <laughs> it's terribly, terribly well, painful. Describe oh. what happens. I really have no idea. Well, what I, happens in a reflexology? Well, I mean, I do they do something with your reflexes? What's the deal here? What's this about? Well, I think the theory is, and we've said the theory a lot today. All right. The word theory is out there a lot today. The idea is that um, there's pressure points in your feet and your hands that yes. tie in and go towards parts of your body. Sure. So that's very much like the Chinese medicine yeah, it is kind of tradition, medicine. it is right? Like certain points in your body, even though they're nowhere near your kidney, would affect your kidney. So Correct. you adjust that part of the body. I, I get Correct. that. Yeah. And um, so I thought we were, we started out with it. My friend said she was going to treat me to this and she was going to do it too. <laughs> I'm only laughing because I cannot tell you the pain. <laughs> And so we, there was nobody there. There was one guy. Well, and, there. and what happens that the two, how does I'll this tell person? You. I'll tell like, you. I'm going to okay. tell you. But first of all, first of all, there was only one person working there. And so he was like, well, you, okay, that's what you want. Then you go in these rooms and, the, and he's got curtains around these beds and we're both feeling a little dubious. And um, she says, no, I, I he goes, it's okay. If, if, you know, I'll do it. We, we need two people. There's two of us. I'm not going to wait an hour for her. And then she's going to wait an hour for me. That's too much. So he, Said he'll call somebody. Anyway, she didn't want a, uh, a guy to be her massage. And then he said, well, would you? I said, well, do we have to get undressed? I think she said, do we have to get undressed? He goes, yeah, you do. And, and she says, well, I'm not doing that. Because when she's gone for Korean massage, she's had it in Florida a lot where they just push through your clothes. And so we thought we weren't prepared to, like, get undressed but i said i can oh, understand how that could freak people out me for instance right um i decided to do it <laughs> <laughs> okay of course well no i'm not i didn't want to at first well all of a sudden i realized i had a very good comfort feeling from the uh room i felt the place was i was comfortable i okay. didn't feel like any he was you, but you weren't comfortable once the pain started well that's a different kind of uncomfortable so um, somehow she lands up getting him to give her a back massage and a foot massage that's what we had and I get the woman. So he sends me into the room and says, you have to get undressed. He puts a curtain around. It's just a curtain. So I'm like, okay, I guess I'll get naked here. <laughs> so I do. I kept my underwear on and I climb in under this little sheet. And then he comes in and puts a big furry blanket over me. It was fantastic. <laughs> it was like, like velvet. And I was like, just lying there. You've got a hole around your face. So I'm just lying there waiting for something to happen. And then I hear a car pull up in the alley and someone comes out and this little tiny woman comes into the room and I can see her. I kind of lift up to say hi. Cause she goes, Hey lady. And I kind of go hi. And she's maybe this at the height of the bed. She's maybe four foot eight. And I'm like, okay, well, I guess this will be 
you know, okay, I'm not going to feel this massage. Oh, God. She put her elbow, like her whole base of her arm up my back and, and her palm of her hand. And they just push and push and push. Um, I, I almost did cry out. I almost pulled away. And I almost yelled, stop. <laughs> <laughs> but I decided just keep breathing deeply and maybe uh, sure. maybe it's yeah. going to help. I it's like also, going to the dentist, right? You I just breathe. So. It'll be okay. It'll be over soon. <laughs> I kept thinking, oh my God, I kept thinking that she would, she was kind of intuitive. I felt, I don't know if she would describe it that way, but I felt like she was kind of finding spots and I just had to go with it and trust that maybe she's feeling something that I don't know what it is that she's pushing out of my back and neck. And then my feet, if I thought the back was bad, the feet was even worse, but I felt like a million bucks afterwards and I feel pretty good today and I feel really good today. That's just because it's like comparison shopping, right? <laughs> it's like banging this your doesn't head. feel like the pain. It's great. <laughs> yeah. I feel great. I know. Well, I would do it again. I can't believe I'm saying that, but I would do it again because I felt like it was really healing. I felt like I think I felt like I detoxed. And then you're supposed to sit quietly in nature and drink water, but we didn't do that. I think we uh I don't remember where we went. <laughs> oh, we went secondhand shopping. <laughs> That's like nature for me. <laughs> That's like walking in a forest for me. <laughs> saw a lot of great crafts and uh furniture painting which i loved yeah so that was my trip uh to clarksville and um oh nashville we went to the unity church so this was also the unity church i don't know why and i texted my friend to say is there an explanation for this but um someone she knew said oh if you're looking for gay people go to the unity church and which she already knew that my friend's a lesbian and she already knew that Unity Church did have um, gay people at it. I guess they must have said that women could be ministers and they accepted gay people quite a long time ago. So their parishioners can be a very good mix of diversity and gay people. So off we go to Nashville to go to Unity Church and uh, service there. And I'm kind of interested in this. You know, I like um, inter-philosophical comparative religion and comparative philosophy. So anyway, we had a great time going to Nashville and going to that um, church. And she met all kinds of great people, really, really nice people. And the minister gave a hell of a um, talk that day about patience. And it was really, really good. So I tried to practice patience with my massage yesterday. (laughs) It's like, well, I'll just be patient through the pain. And that was a very interesting cultural experience I had. All right. <laughs> yeah. And lots of music, Eugene. Lots of good the the um piano player was fantastic. It was really was really it like good. gospel music? No, it was like Stephen Sondheim. <laughs> Stephen Sondheim. It who was passed like Broadway away this last week. Yes, I think he, he was ninety one. Yeah. It was like Broadway music or something, you know, it was very um classical. Classical, um, some traditional holiday songs and some rousing new age faith songs for lack of a better word <laughs> that's pretty All cool right. i'm yeah. not big on the holiday songs you, you know you know the one exception i'm going to make is uh is nick, nick lowe's uh christmas, christmas at the airport <laughs> christmas at the airport is such a great song it's such I can a listen great to song it 10 times in a row i know it's fabulous plus anyone who has a band of guys who wear 
Mexican wrestling masks and never That's take right. them off. Can't be all bad. That's right. You know, I met Nick Lowe a couple of times because I was working at Old Town School oh, Folk Music. Wow, how cool but is that? I'll have to post some pictures of, of me and Nick. If I can you find should. Him. Yeah. And Absolutely. and he was touring that album. Um, and I just thought that was the most genius song on the planet. I, w- I was almost like, why was he I uh, playing solo or did he have the band? Both, both, both. Both, yeah. Yeah. I, yeah, I probably saw him four or five times there. Um, but I was like, why didn't I, it's just such a brilliant song. <laughs> yes, it is. It's a yeah. fabulous song. It's yeah. just it's just perfect. Yeah. You know, he's a damn fine looking man too in person. He's got a lot of chemistry and mm-hmm. charisma. Yeah. Hi, Sheila. Oh, Sheila is saying <laughs> Ghostbusters is great. She's held up a All sign. Right. Maybe you could film this sign. Cutting and, edge, cutting edge. Um, and do you, do you see what's on the sign besides Ghostbusters yeah, is great? Give me a second. I'm going to get you to adjust it. I Sheila do. has a Sheila Gregory rubber oh, stamp. Wow. Oh, she does. Oh, my God. Isn't that great? Yeah. There. Here's the stamp. She's holding it up. Oh, okay. I got to get a picture of that, too. Hold on. Wow, we went dead silent. We went radio silent there. <laughs> Excellent. I love that immediate cutting edge off the press uh, movie review. Movie review, yes. Mm-hmm. Yes, Excellent. Sheila walks in. Ghostbusters is great. Did she like House of Gucci? Did you like House of Gucci? Yes. She yes. liked House of Gucci too. Oh, she liked House of Gucci. Okay, we're two people. I thought it was amazing. Oh, and she's got popcorn too. <laughs> Good thing we're at the end of the podcast. I know. I'm just looking at my notes to see if I forgot anything. Okay. And um, well, you check your notes because I want to make sure yeah. that if you have any points or things you want to talk oh, about that we yeah. don't miss them. Yeah. Um, I would just like to uh, mention to our our uh, listeners that we love mail. We so do. You can, you can contact us at theagency.podcast <laughs> at gmail.com just to say <laughs> hello or or really to talk about at suggest um, topics talk about right. things that we've been talking about um and if you have complaints as i mentioned before <laughs> you send it to complaints at hotmail.com <laughs> that's right um <laughs> uh let me just see i i feel like i just had something i wanted to uh say uh, oh did i tell you that i saw the eyes of tammy faye last week i can't remember Yes, you did. I did. Good, 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 yeah. good. I felt like I didn't, so that's good. And Indians on vacation. We're gonna watch. We're gonna read that. Yeah, I think I got it. I think when I I, uh, I started reading the um, the giant book you sent me. Oh, what do you think? Well, th- I really like it so far. Yeah, he's got a great. They have a like great. He starts off by taking taking the piss out of Jared Diamond. Yes, and uh, who I just Pinker. can't read. Oh well, so, there you go. Perfect. Uh, so I've already, I'm like, yeah, I've, I'm here for you, buddy. <laughs> well, I'm going to try to get through this during the holidays. Right. It's and only he, about 3,000 pages. I know. Like, and he takes the piss out of Steven Pinker, too, which I, I'm not a fan of his. Yes. For anyone who hasn't seen this book, Candy has sent me a book that's about three and a half inches thick. Yeah. It weighs about nine pounds it's, and it has a screaming yellow cover. Yeah, 700 pages or something. And the opening premise, basically, they talk about that there has been two frames of of philosophy about human nature. One is that um, we were a wonderful, noble person, and we were great people until farming came along. The second is we were a violent, crazy animal until farming came along. And they're basically going to take us on a tour of how we're much more diverse than that. We can have any kind of economy we want. 
and I much think more that's interesting. Be yes, much more um, interesting. Uh, yeah, and that there's a lot of assumptions in both of those those theories. Um, and what he's saying is those assumptions were made without any scientific evidence. Correct. And so um, let's see if we can have a look at human history um, during that time and see what it was more probably like. Yes. And so I'm really excited to read it. Good. I'm so glad. I find he that the writing, there's two, two writers, I find that they've got a real good conversational tone. And you're yeah. right, because they're taking the piss out of people, it makes it a lot more fun. <laughs> Uh, yes, and I think also they um, they wrote it based on conversations. They kept having these conversations oh. over a number of years that mm. grew into this book. Okay. So I think wow. that's partially why it has a so conversation. So two people having a conversation might be able to write a book. Well, yeah. <laughs> like a Apparently. murder mystery. <laughs> like a murder mystery. Oh, what you're saying is that I owe you a chapter. No, I still feel like I owe you another another email. So I'm going to work on that in a few minutes. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm sorry. I'm chewing on a piece of popcorn. She looks for you. Popcorn oh, I got to tell you something else. I, I do oh, have yeah. a question for our listeners. Um, something, there's a place called Miss Lucille's in Clarksville and it's incredible and they have all kinds of furniture. There's a lot of crafts and booths. So one of the things I was going to look for was that Stag really wants us to get a booth there and sell our art. So I went down with a piercing critical eye to see if we would fit in there. And I've come to the conclusion we will not. <laughs> but I mean, we wanted to share the booth maybe with our friends down there. And you don't have to man it the whole time that you put categories on there and you can you don't have to be there. But I was trying to think if anybody would buy our artwork. And I just don't know. I don't think so. But I could be wrong and Stig's going to be mad at me. But I sent him I sent him dozens of pictures of the booths. I heard that people do buy artwork. Yeah, sometimes they do. He I sold, heard that. He sold a painting in our show recently at Martin's. Excellent. Good yes. for Stag. And just reminded me, on Saturday, Stag is going to be there, and he's going to have all kinds of little pictures, all at a great price between $15 and $30. It's like a mass selling. Excellent. If you the Stag, stag rama holiday sale. Yes, absolutely. So that's at Martin's Bar and Grill. I hope I can remember the address, 2058 West 22nd place. And I'll put it on Facebook. It's on place. And I'll put it on Instagram again as well. So maybe if anyone's in Chicago, they can go visit him and buy some art. It makes a great gift for people. And especially abstract art makes a great gift for people because it always matches the couch. There you go. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And um, I've got to write a paper. And now I found out that I, I don't know what's going on. Um, I'm on two panels with George at least. And then okay. the, um, the conference has written me and said they've accepted my other papers. And I'm like, well, I only, I only made one proposal. What's going on here? So I have to get to the bottom of that. Um, maybe my identity at, at, at the um, academic conference has been stolen. I highly doubt that. But <laughs> I can't figure out what's going on. Wow. Maybe yeah. they just want to draw out more of that fabulous candy mix content. <laughs> I don't know what it was, but I think maybe it was a mistake. I think it was because I'm on a panel, not that I presented a paper. I see. Yeah. So I have to figure that out. And of course, and the I conference was traveling. is called the name the of the Southwest conference? conference on Pop American Popular Culture Association. <laughs> I love asking that because you never really know. I know I mean, you're know. always guessing. I don't know what it is. <laughs> You've been going to this conference for years. Conference. 
for popular American culture. And their slogan is, if it's not popular, it's not culture. All right. All right. I think that's it. Oh, oh, no, I got one more thing. So okay. when we were at okay. this place called Miss Lucille's, it's a great big, huge warehouse with all these different booths, right, that I was just describing. People have crafts or candles or furniture they've painted or furniture they've made. And they also have a restaurant that's insanely delicious. Um, they have two restaurants and one's like a cafe. So we got this Cubano sandwich, which was so good. Oh, they have these, sandwich. Oh, my God, it's so good. But they had these cookies, salted caramel, butterscotch type cookies and i've got to find a recipe so if anyone's listening and has that recipe please email it to us but i am on the lookout for a recipe like that these are killer killer cookies <laughs> and All i right. ordered a, and i ordered a teapot from the ordering machine and it arrived broken they didn't pack it they just put it in the box that the teapot came in a, a flimsy cardboard box and, and sent it to me i'd like to say by the way if anyone's doing <laughs> holiday baking um, and they have access to the the internet, the magical internet cookie portal. Um, I am a certified cookie tester. Oh, yeah, that's um, a good idea. I, I can sample cookies, and it really takes at least two or three cookies to give you a, a proper assessment. And then if your cookie is delicious, I can say, no, that mm. was a delicious cookie. Mm, that would be good. Yeah, so you can just send your cookies to me on 27th Street, and right. um, I will give you an assessment. Well, what if you got dozens of cookies? I guess that wouldn't be a problem. Could you imagine? Yeah, I think it'd be amazing. If people started sending me cookies because I'm a cookie tester, yeah. I would have to do cookie reviews on here. And I would. You know yeah. I would. Yes, I do. Would you have to chew it a little bit and spit it in a jar? I might. Because, yeah, you don't want to fill yourself up. You just want the taste. And then you have to, like wash your mouth out with red wine between cookies or something. <laughs> Go swallow that. <laughs> okay, sounds good. Um, thank you for listening, everybody. Talk to you next week. Bye. Bye. One, two, three, snack time! Cookie, 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 me love cookie. Um, 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 um.